Well, thank you so much for being a part of the Home Run Club. I always look forward to hearing your responses to listening to these CDs. I really do get lots of response from either our podcasts or CDs that you've listened to, and I'm thankful for that because it's so encouraging to know you've taken time to listen and it's helped you grow in your family life. This is, of course, October, and I celebrate this beautiful month of the fall with you. I want you to know at the end of the month, October the 30th, is when we have our Legacy Luncheon. That's the luncheon for couples who have been married over 50 years, a special day we share together. So if you live local here in the West Michigan area, make sure you sign up for it. You need to know it's absolutely free because you've lived a legacy, and we honor you for it. So come be a part of our Legacy Luncheon. Call our office, 616-772-1733, and ask for Lisa, and you can get all the information there. Let me tell you what you'll be listening to this month on the Home Run Club. I recorded a message about pouring yourself out. How in a marriage relationship or in a relationship you're growing in, for it to be healthy, you have to be willing to die to self. And the Lord gave me an insight on how to communicate that. And though visually you'll have to just imagine these things in your mind, I'll explain them in the sermon And you'll be able to follow along. So what you need to know is coming. There's a blue pitcher of water and a yellow pitcher of water. So that visual is going to happen during this sermon. And when it happens, you can follow along. And I pray that the Lord will use it to remind you that he poured himself out for us. And that's exactly what we need to do to keep our marriage strong and our relationship strong. So here we go. And I now ask you to join with me as we listen to this little idea of pouring yourself I want you just to allow me the freedom today to teach you something from God's Word. I'm not going to teach you my opinion. I'm going to teach you what I think. I'm going to teach you something that the Bible states very clearly, and I'm going to read it straight to you. So it's really peaceful for me to say that I'm preaching today from God's Word, and that is the exact place I need to be preaching from. So let me just say that to you. You come to a church where you hear from this book, from God's Word. What a blessing that is, too. Because there are plenty of places that aren't teaching God's Word anymore. And this is amazing. This is awesome. I'm going to talk today about marriage. Okay, so there's the word. I'm going to talk about marriage. And I was sitting out in my car before I came in. And I watched a single mom walk in with one kid in her arms and one kid on their hand. Now, of course, her husband might be at work. I get that. I understand that. But I'm sure there are plenty of single moms who walked in this place today. I'm sure there are plenty of single dads who watched in this place today. So we all come this morning with something in our heart. Yesterday I did the funeral service of one of my my dearest friends. So my heart is heavy. I drove this morning melancholy as I drove over from Highland. And so we all come on these Sunday mornings. We all come from different places. And I'm going to ask you this morning just to maybe step back from even the place you're at, even emotionally and mentally, and just listen to what I believe the Lord's laid on my heart to show you about marriage. Because like I say, just as soon as I say the word marriage, many of you have different thoughts and ideas and opinions. Maybe you're in a good one and you go, oh, this will be fun. Or maybe you're in a bad one and you're hoping this might be your answer. Or maybe you have been through a really tough divorce and you say, I don't even want to hear the word marriage. Um, I think I told you a while back I was in a swimming pool in Florida and had these women kind of gathered around me. I don't really want to discuss that in detail. But I had these 
uh, older women gathered around me, and you know, I I just said one. Somebody asked me, "What do you do for a living?" And I said, "Well, I speak on marriage." And, and as soon as I said marriage, one of the ladies just about choked in the water. She's like, "Marriage, <laughs> marriage." I mean, it was like that. I'm like, "Ma'am, I, I didn't do anything other than said a word." But I'm guessing there's a backstory <laughs> to what made her explode. And I got to thinking, if I was married, if I could somehow morph myself into, I, am, I represent marriage. I was sitting in my office thinking to myself, what would I feel about myself? And this is what I thought. I would feel beat up. I'm try, people try to redefine me. People try to tell me I'm not all that. People try, try to tell me they don't even really believe in me. Just live together. So if I was married, sitting here innocently, I would go, why do you guys all hate me so much? What did I even do? And I want to say something here at great risk. I prayed and asked the Lord to give me wisdom on how to say this. Because when I was a kid growing up, and the topic of marriage came up at my little home church, I would be very excited as a kid. So I'm, I'll just I want to go back to being 10. I'm 10. And I'm sitting in the pew with my mom and dad in a little church in South Carolina. And the preacher would say, I'm going to talk about marriage. And I would go, oh, good, because my dad wasn't a good married man dad. He just wasn't good to my mom. He abused her, physically abused her. I've told you this before, song leader of the church. So it didn't add up. And I've got to take a moment because there are some kids, teens, and even adults sitting in these pews today, and you're in an abusive situation. And I realize just saying that puts me at high risk the next few words that come out of my mouth because there's probably, what, 1,000, 1,500 people sitting here, and what I say next will be heard 1,500 different ways. So I'm going to try to say it very clearly and succinctly as best I can in honoring to God. Because my dad took this verse of scripture that's coming up that represents marriage in God's word. I'm going to preach him from today. Can you guys throw a little bit of that scripture up from Ephesians chapter 5? My dad took the first part of this passage. It says, wives submit to your husbands. And dad took, yeah, there it is. Wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. Now, I'm guessing, just me saying this more, just starting with that, some lady here, you, you, hopefully you don't have hair on the back of your neck, but if you did, it would stand up. <laughs> you got hair on the back of your neck, that, that's fine. I'm not trying to say anything other than maybe shave it. But I, I, um, <laughs> I'm getting in trouble. So even when ladies hear that, You probably, if, if it makes you really defensive, you probably aren't in marriage where your husband loves you like Christ loves the church. See, my dad used that verse to say, well, you have to submit to me, woman. And he was so wrong. That is not God's word. And abuse can go the other way. I've seen women who abuse their husbands, but in general, we think of it as typically a man abusing his wife and I want to say if you're in that scenario today I've just got to stop and say so when I was a kid and those sermons would happen and the preacher would say something and I would think to myself oh man I hope dad's listening and then I noticed on those Sundays when we went home 
He was the most abusive of all times. And I think it's because it heightened that thing and his guilt grew. And, and he knew I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm trying to be a leader. And, oh, and he knew he was wrong, but he couldn't admit it. And I want to speak to those men for just a second. I came here today to tell you something. Any man here who's abusing his family, I, I came to tell you something. I want you to listen very carefully. Not your behavior. Not what you're doing, not those things that are causing harm, but you, listen to me, as a person, I want you to know God loves you and I love you. Because I know probably you don't even want to be who you are. In fact, I can almost assure myself of that statement. Here's why. You wouldn't come to church if you just didn't care at all. So just that you're here at church tells me your heart probably wants to do good, but you've just got into some habits and you were maybe abused yourself and you don't know how to handle it. I'm, I'm just going to say, um, high risk here. I know there's 1,500 people here. If you will walk up to one of these guys who protect me really good after the services, and I really appreciate that, if you just hand your phone number on a piece of paper, just hand it to one of those guys. They'll bring it to me. I'll call you sometime. I'll talk to you. If you want a little help, because I wish somebody would have done this for my dad. So, you know, I'm standing up here today for the 10-year-olds who would love to have had a preacher step in there and try to help them. I'm not a counselor. I'll, I'll, I'll eventually have you talk to a counselor because if I counsel you, you could double down and be twice as bad. <laughs> but I'll try to get you some help. And I'm just offering that, extending that today. After the service, there will be several, and I would ask you guys who do that, just be sensitive to that for me. Why these guys stand along the front? Because I want to help you. That's a big part of what this sermon's about today because I want you to hear this again. God loves you. You don't like yourself right now, but God loves you. And I want to just say something. We live in a free country. You're right, but I want you to know freedom brings a lot of responsibility. And as Christians, as those of us who claim the name of Christ, when we say we're free, we're only free to the amount of authority we have under God. We are to be submitted to him. This nation doesn't have to answer to God. Me and you do. Nation can make laws and make rules and make guidelines that we don't even agree with, but we don't get to do that. As individuals who are under the authority of God Almighty, we have said to God, we surrender to you first even before we surrender to our nation. So I want you to get we are under God's authority. And today I want to show you something from God's word and what he says about marriage. And here's the deal. If you aren't married or you're thinking about getting married, listen up. And I want to show you from God's word what marriage is supposed to be. So like I say, in our nation right now, what we need is some good, straightforward teaching right out of here. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. Husbands, love your wife after wife submits. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, making her holy, cleansing her, washing her with water through the word. 
to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish. Husbands, you're to love your wife and present her to the, before the Lord as a radiant, beautiful wife. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Wives, look, don't, wouldn't you love just to know your husband just lifts you up, prays for you, takes care of you, treats you like a queen? Men, that's our job. I want to go to verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, being united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Then it says this. This is a profound mystery. <laughs> uh, I don't even get basic mysteries. When Jane and I are watching a TV show, she'll be like, oh, I know who did this. I'm like, I don't even know what this show's called. I don't even get the basis of the show. So I remember the first time I read, this is a profound mystery. I'm thinking to myself, I got no chance here. I don't even understand regular mysteries, and this is a profound one. So I sit in my office. I remember that day sitting in my office going, Lord, will you help me understand what that means? What does it mean that marriage is a profound mystery? And this is the little illustration that the Lord put in my mind. It's simple. It will seem almost silly to you probably, but just... Let me do it. I got married when I was 21 years old, and I had lived up for those 21 years of my life. We'll just call it a blue life. I did my thing. I grew up in six miles, South Carolina. I grew up on a little farm. My grandfather raised all these particular animals. I helped him with that. I went to school, went to high school, went to college. I lived a blue life and did my own blue things. And then there was this girl named Jane and she grew up in Hamlet, North Carolina, and she's yellow. She grew up yellow. She grew up in a little home where her dad left when she was about six, so she grew up in a single mom home with all the siblings, and she did her thing. She went to Hamlet High School. She went to uh, Central Westland College where we met, and there we are. She was 22. I married a girl that was a year older. I needed some maturity. And so I, I married this girl who for 22 years was yellow, lived yellow, thought yellow, and did yellow things. And on our wedding day, according to God's word, not my idea, not my thinking, I didn't come up with this. According to God's word, on our wedding day, my brother stood before us and he got this little empty pitcher and he took blue boy and yellow girl and he said, since y'all made this decision and you've decided you want to do it, as a pastor and by the authority of the state of South Carolina and under God's authority, I pronounce right now that Dan and Jane, you are husband and wife. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. And the two of us, who were formerly blue and yellow, became green. This is a profound mystery. I'm not a scientist, and I don't understand all that stuff, and I'm sure in an audience this big, somebody here would say, well, Dan, the blue molecular structure of the atom and the yellow, they pour together, and there's a simple, you come up with a big word, and I would just look at you and go, huh? All I know is it's green. It was formerly blue and yellow, and now it's green, and just because... Somebody mentioned it. It's kind of like Michigan becoming Michigan State. That's just kind of a funny little illustration. <laughs> we'll just leave that alone. We'll just leave that alone. I don't know who I'm getting in trouble with there. 
But what's really interesting is this is called an irreversible process. I can't take this green now and go, as many do, I don't want to be green with that one anymore. Pour me back. Make me blue again. Can't do it. Irreversible process. Once you have become one, you have become one. Here's the problem in marriage. Watch this, watch this. Dan and Jane got married, and they did. They did this thing where they poured themselves together. But, but watch this. Dan kept enough blue back that when he wants to be old Dan, he can. And Jane kept some yellow back. So that when she wanted to clash with me, she could. And every now and then we have issues come up and we bump against each other because we don't agree. Our minds don't work the same. We don't think the same. Any of you married people relate to this? Yeah, they're clapping. And here's why we have these issues. I can show you. Because Dan... I'll just use me. Dan doesn't want to pour all of himself out. He wants to keep some blue. But in marriage, what you're supposed to do, watch this, is completely, it's called completely die to self. It's not about your will or your way or getting, you say, that's hard, correct. And it's why most marriages don't make it, because both aren't willing to pour. One person cannot, I cannot pour myself completely out and make it work. It is a dual involvement. And I want you to know, we are not born naturally by nature to do this. I have a little two-year-old granddaughter. She's been at my house this weekend. I don't have to say to her, Naya, act up. <laughs> Cry more, Naya. Want your own way. No, it's in her. It's just in. She was born thinking about self. She was born saying, fill my cup up. Make sure I'm overflowing. I'm not giving in. She's at my house playing with all my stuff, holding my cell phone. And I said, Naya, can you give me my cell phone? That's not yours, Papa. Yeah, it is, babe. I'm talking to a two-year-old. Yes, it is. Give me my phone. She doesn't go, oh, yes, oh, yes, Papa, for sure. That's your, no, she's going, it's mine, it's mine. Why? Because she wants what she wants. And then I meet 40-year-olds who are the same way. Because it's natural. And then we come. And specifically on Easter Sunday, we hear about this man who said, I will empty myself for you. Jesus was not killed. Jesus said, I pour myself out for you. I lay down my life for you. And so Dan 
has to lay down his life. And this is not easy. It's a lot easier being blue. It's a lot easier doing what I want to. And, and here, here's the problem. Most, most of us, some of us aren't good at it, but most of us are good at pouring ourselves out if we realize we're wrong. In other words, in your marriage, you're having an issue with your spouse, and all of a sudden it dawns on you, I'm, I'm doing, I'm wrong here. It's not hard to go, you know, I'm, you know I see, yeah, my bad, I'm sorry. Especially if you're caught red-handed and it's no question it's your issue. You're like, yeah, you pretty much got me. Okay. But when you think you're right, woo-wee. When you think you're right, turning that picture over is not easy. There's a reason we celebrate Jesus, because he was right. He was the Savior of the world, and he still emptied himself. I mean, y'all remember, right? You remember when he was hanging on the cross and, and the one dude yelled, Oh, you saved everybody else. Let's see if you can save yourself. Hanging on a cross. And that's, you, you understand he could have unhitched the nail for a second, turned this arm into a laser and went, <laughs> which I think would have been a pretty cool story. But Jesus kept his arm on the nail he had the power to take it off, but he kept it on the nail and instead said, Father, forgive him. That dude right there might have pointed. He doesn't even know what he's saying. So then, to really get what marriage means, so on my point this morning, we don't get this part of marriage, is even... When I know I am right, not think I'm right, even when I know it, I can surrender it. I'm going to paint out what that looks like, and then I'm going to show you, if you don't do it, what it can turn into. So for me, what it looks like is this. Jane and I, as you know, we fly a lot, so we got on a plane recently. The two of us were on a trip. I don't even know where we were. We were at that middle airport because we used to fly through somewhere because we fly out of Grand Rapids. Not a lot of direct flights, so I have to fly through another major terminal. We were in one of those terminals. Something happened. I don't even remember now what it was. But we got into a disagreement in the airport. And there was something she didn't know. And once she knew it, I knew she would know I was right. Typically, she's right. But in this particular case, I knew I was right. And I'm only right a small percentage of the time. So when that happens, I want to camp on that moment. <laughs> and it happened. And we're walking on the plane, and we're frustrated at each other. And I'm saying to her, hey, there's something you don't know. I just, when we sit down, I'm going to tell you about it, and then it'll all make sense. Not right now. No, baby, it's not a big deal. Nobody, people can hear you talking. I don't really care. I can, okay, I'll text you. Whatever we got to do. <laughs> I can tell you the facts right now. We sat down on the plane. We're in a three-seat. I think we're in row 11 or 12. We got in a three-seater. I'm at the window. She's in the middle. And a business-type executive-looking official-type person sat beside her in a suit and tie. Very nice-looking gentleman. And I said, I need to tell you a couple of things. 
I knew to whisper because Jane and I are different in this area. Maybe some of you can identify with this. I don't mind talking in front of anyone. If we had an issue, I could come right on stage with mics on and let you hear the whole issue. I just don't care. Her, not so much. <laughs> she does to do it out. Privacy is just our issue. I don't want anyone to know. So we're sitting on the plane, and I said, it just take me, it'll take me 30 seconds to explain what you don't know. And once you know it, you're going to go, oh, brilliant one. I mean, if you could just hear me out. And she's like, I don't want to talk. And I said, Jane, it'll only take a couple of seconds. The guy sitting next to me can hear you talking. How you doing, sir? Nice to meet you. My name's Dan. If you want to listen in, no problem. She's like, stop. If you keep doing this, it's not going to work in your favor. That was one of her lines. So I knew at that point it's kind of over. And I'm irritated. Now, any of you who are like me, when I get irritated, my insides just feel like they're doing this. It's like, it's like just boiling. And I said, okay, you don't want to talk? You don't want to talk. She said, I'm not going to talk. Oh. Flight took off. I turned back into my seat. I pushed that little button that allows your seat to recline about a quarter inch. <laughs> Fired that thing back. Irritated. The snacks came by. No, thank you. I don't want anything. A little irritated. I'll pass on those big, huge nuts. And I'm sitting there on that plane. The flight's about an hour and a half. And the Lord just spoke into my spirit. I, you know, I was 30,000 feet high, so maybe I was closer to him. <laughs> and I just felt like the Lord spoke into my spirit. Pour it out right now. What, 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 what do you mean, Lord? Let it go. But, but I'm, I, once she hears those, those thoughts... She's going to have a revelation, almost a revelation. It'll it'll be good. No, Dan, I want to see if you can die to self, even though you know you're right and you're right. You can tell her that, and she'll agree, and she'll see your point. But I want you to pour it out and let it go right now. And furthermore, when you get off the plane, and she even says to you later, hey, tell me what you want to tell me, I want you to say, I don't need that, that's the hardest part, Lord. I can let it go here for another couple of hours, but I need to at least. <laughs> I'm just trying to show you. Jesus didn't halfway die on the cross. He fully died. And in marriage, if you want to do it God's way, sometimes, even when you think you're right, you got to let So I let it go. Y- y'all need to know. I'm the kind of guy that once I turn a corner, I'm done. And so I, so I sat there and I said, okay, Lord. If this is really you calling me, speaking to me, just to confirm this, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to start, even right now, I'm going to turn and ask, I say, hey, you doing okay? Sorry for my attitude. And I, I fully let it go. We got off the plane. I was maybe, I'm a whistler. <laughs> so she thinks, hey, he's good. And I was good. We went to the luggage thing. I carry the luggage. I'm one of those guys that kind of takes care of that stuff. I took care of the luggage. I got her to the car. We got in the car. Open her door. Got her into the car. Closed the door. We're driving. We got about a 45-minute drive. We're on the drive. It's dark. We landed at night. We're driving, and no one's talking. And she says, I'd really love to hear 
what it was you were wanting to tell me on the plane. And in my mind, I went, I'd really love to tell you. <laughs> but I kept seeing this stinking picture banging me in the head. And I said, no, I'm all good. And she said, serious? I said, yeah, I'm all good. She, you don't need to tell me? I said, no, I don't. It doesn't even matter. And, and, and listen, this is going to be a reflection of what I must be like. Because she said, so you're not going to bring it up again in a couple of days? Jesus died, and he didn't bring up again later. Well, y'all know what I did for y'all. Y'all saw that sacrifice, didn't you? No, he just did it. See, here, here's the kicker with Dan Seaborn. If I do surrender, I want to make sure everybody knows. And maturity and wisdom is when you know things you don't have to say. And I challenge you as a person. To take a peek at your life and say, am I really willing to pour myself out? If you're here and you're not married yet, check this. And make sure you talk with that other person too. Kind of watch your life. If you're, if you're dating right now, someone thinking about getting married and you're an emptier and they're a, feel me, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard for you. And I want to show you something else before I show you my final little illustration. I want you to see that if you're here and you're in a blended family, okay, you take what is already green. Watch this. Watch this. It's already got some green, and now you blend it with another one. I need you to understand you're making a whole new color. you got to get this. It's why they call it blended family. You want to go back and start over as blue, but that's not the way it works. So there's children issues. There's former spouse issues. It's part of the deal. And if you've been married five times, you got some pretty blended water. So if you say, Dan, sometimes it's hard. One's hard. Five, yes. So just know that. Just know that. And if you aren't willing to do this, I want to show you what can happen. Marriage is about surrender. Marriage is about a husband becoming like Christ and the wife coming like the church. And to do it right, it takes great effort and energy. But if you do it right, if you do it right, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it takes both of you. And if you aren't willing, if one of you is willing to submit and the other one isn't, I want to show you what happens. So growing up, I'm going to protect the name of my family member. I'm going to protect their name. But growing up as a little boy, there was a woman who was my relative whose house I went to. When I would go to her house, uh, she became very meticulous. Christian family, loved the Lord. But she became very meticulous about her house. So when I would go to her house, as is common with some of your homes, my home too, uh, we would take our shoes off when we'd go into the house. She'd just say, hey, take your shoes off, Danny. That was my real name, Danny, take your shoes off. She was a relative of mine, an older lady. So I took my shoes off. And then, over the years, it got to a point she would bring in plastic runners and put them in areas of the house. And when I would go in, she would say, now you may step on the plastic, but you may not step off of it. 
She got more and more this way. People would try to talk to her about it. They would say to her, you're becoming very selfish. And she could not see it, and she was not willing to empty herself. So her husband, her husband, I only saw it when I went over to visit. And I want to tell you, I think I stopped visiting there when I was 12 or 13 because I didn't want to go where you can only step on plastic. And so... There's a picture of the house coming up on the screen. This house, little brick house in South Carolina. Um, at, at the time growing up, you guys got to know that that was considered one of the mansions in our area. I grew up in a tough little area, and it was brick, and it had awnings, and they had the letter of the family on them. Wow. And so that was the little house, and she got so meticulous about that house that she finally said, to her husband, um, when you come in, you need to go here. You can only go here, here, and here. And he submitted, and he did what she wanted him to do. And he asked her to change, and she said no. And, and, and eventually, she kept telling him this stuff. And, and I wanted, I'm telling you the facts. This is what really happened. My, and I could tell you what he was to me, a distant relative. He finally said one day, I'm done. I'm done. And he moved into, you can just barely see it, don't show it yet. No, 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 go back, please. Go back, please. So way on the right over there, you've already seen it, so never mind. But next service, let's wait a second. But you guys, hey, you guys do an awesome job. Over on the right side, you can see a little, little bitty garage, one-stall garage, okay? My distant relative, the man, had had enough of trying to make her happy. Selfish, wanted her way all the time, do it her way all the time. He finally had enough. He didn't divorce her, but he moved into that little garage. You can see it over the far right. He moved into that little garage. Now you can zoom in, if you will. So here's the garage. Okay, there's the, the house is on the left. You can see it. There's the garage. He moved into that garage. He put a stove in there. He put a refrigerator in there. He put a little cot in there to sleep on. And he moved in by himself, the garage. She liked so much that he was in the garage, how neat it kept the house, that she moved in the garage with him. <laughs> you see their two little chairs that they would sit in front of the garage on. No one has lived in the house for 20 years. It's covered in plastic. He died in the garage. She lived in the garage the rest of her life. Are you serious? On the wedding day, if I would have said, hey, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. Um, y'all going to get married and y'all going to move in one of the hottest, nicest towns and uh, houses in town. But eventually, you're going to have enough issues that you're probably going to move into your garage. They would have said, what? Because you see, it's It's subtle. Some of you right now are slipping into something that you go, nah. And, and I, I guess the question is for me to ask you today, what's your garage? What's the thing you can't see about yourself? What's the thing that if you keep going, I'm not giving in on that. I will not surrender. What's that thing? Because today, to honor Jesus Christ, to really celebrate freedom, pour yourself out. Pour yourself out and say, it ain't about me. It's about what I can do for the Lord. 
And my prayer is that if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, it's a good day to celebrate freedom in Christ. So, Lord God, I bow my head and I pray for every person in this room today. We've all got garages. And I pray that you would forgive us for being so stinking selfish many times. Help us to submit and to surrender. Help us to yield our life to you today completely, Lord. There might be one right now who has never known you as Lord and Savior. I pray right now that you would forgive their sin. You would redeem their soul. I ask you to help them confess that sin and to turn it over to you and ask you to take it away. Redeem them so that they may have eternal life and begin this process of pouring out their pitcher. We give you this message today. We pray that there would be change in homes because of you speaking into the lives of us. And we all together said, amen. So I pray as you listen to that prayer, as you've listened to these words, that you've been encouraged and reminded there are things you can do to continue to pour yourself out, to be more humble and be more like Christ. After all, that's really why we do what we do. Here at Winning at Home, as we've launched into this new idea of not only reaching our West Michigan area, but launching into the inner city of Holland, the Tampa Bay area, Zambia, and God is opening doors all across uh, America for us by radio, through counseling appointments, and our prayer and goal is that people are growing in Christ. That's why we do what we do. So thank you for partnering with us, believing in what we do, and may the Lord bless you as you celebrate the month of October.